how your relationship is with Jesus Christ. Uh, and today, we're going to talk about relationships within the church. I'm going to have my ushers go ahead and sit down. Have my ushers come on and sit down. We're going to talk about relationships within the church. Because this is the thing that many of us, when we talk about relationships, we think, okay, you know, married couple. Well, we got relationships with just being single. Then we also talk about relationships, you know, at the job and things of that nature. But we, a lot of times we don't talk about the relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And do we owe one another a responsibility? Do we owe one another a responsibility? So the title, and we're coming out of Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Verses 1 through 10. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. And, and today our sermon is, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. And, and, and when, we go, when we go to this, he ain't heavy. He's my brother. There's a song that, uh, that came up, big time classic back in the day. Uh, I want you to say Donnie Hathaway has a version of this song. And when Donnie sings, y'all know it's something else for the old school fans in the house. And so, and, and, but the, it came out of uh, seeing a picture coming out of Vietnam. And, and the picture that came out of Vietnam was this, that it was a guy who could not get out of the battlefield. And so this, this other soldier picked him up and said, I'm going to carry you out here. I'm not going to leave you here to die. I'm going to carry you out of here. And so when he did that, there was that picture, and he said, he's not heavy, or he ain't heavy. He's my brother. A soldier and another soldier looks at one another like brothers. They're in a foxhole together like brothers. And this is what we had to get in the mindset of. We had to get in the mindset that we as Christians are brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of us have come out of some churches where you weren't treated as a brother or sister. You were just treated as a member. You were just somebody who came and, and maybe you were even gossip about and things of that nature. You weren't treated like a brother and sister. And I want you to understand, at Victory Baptist Church, you are a brother and sister to me. You are a brother and sister to one another. Sometimes there are going to be some disagreements, amen? But at other times, as a family does, the disagreement shouldn't be so bad with splits of family. Because we're a family. So that's what brothers and sisters are. So he ain't heavy, he's my brother. And so we go into... Talking about relationships. Now, I want us to understand that in our first point, God is asking us to do something. And, and I want to give this illustration of this uh, mother. I want to give this illustration of this mother. So, I was watching, some of y'all got A&E. And on A&E, I think this is the last season for it, called Intervention. Now, Intervention, if y'all see Intervention, it's about somebody who's way out there on drugs somewhere, or alcohol. And I mean, they're so out there that they drinking like it's 8 o'clock in the morning, they drunk already. It's 9 o'clock, it's 10 o'clock, it's open up, it's time to get drunk again. At noon, oh, it's time to get drunk again. Or whatever their issue is. And they're, and they're so drunk, they don't mind being drunk on TV, where they kind of stumbling, and they're like, that's just how it is. That's how they living. And the family has come, they are concerned, but they come to such a point where they say, we have to intervene. We have to do an intervention. So they get everybody together. It, they'll be almost kind of like this. And then you get invited. You don't even know what's about to happen. You get invited, and you come in, and you're like, well, what are y'all doing here? We've come to do an intervention. 
And there's a, a, a certified psychologist, because you shouldn't just do it, like, it shouldn't be us. It should be somebody certified in the room. And so they had that person, and all these people have prepared speeches uh, written. And in the intervention, unlike what we're going to talk about today, in the intervention, they say, if you don't get help, if you don't get help, we're going to leave you alone. Now, today we're going to talk about a little bit differently, but it can go there. So, and this young mother, young mother, daughter about seven years old, drinking every day. Normally, it comes out of some kind of trauma. Something's happened, something deep. Something, uh, a deep wound. Many times, childhood wound. Being a child abuse, child molestation. Being uh, through domestic violence. Something deep has happened. Where they are so depressed, they're in such a wound place that they will go to this bottle because it gives them their only temporary relief. And they're so addicted in this addiction that they're using this temporary addiction and trying to make it a permanent relief. But in themselves, they're dying inside. In themselves, they are, their, their liver's getting bad, their lungs getting bad. And they cannot associate with their family. Cannot associate with their family because they are so, so addicted. And so, when we go to our first point, and let's read the scripture. Brethren, if any, if anyone is caught in trespass... You who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness and each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. God is asking us, if somebody has messed up, if somebody is out there, we have a duty to go get them. We have a duty to go get them. Well, we just talked about that intervention with the mother, right? Her family had a duty to step in and try to intervene. Here we have where it says, Paul doesn't beat around the bush. And that's what's right in this uh, chapter. He says, brothers, anyone's caught in sin, restore him gent gently. You need to restore him. You need to go after him. You need to go get him. You shouldn't leave him on the corner. You need to go get him. It says, when you first read this, you, what you see is restore. Now restore, the word is kateros. And that is derived from to restore, to repair, to make complete, to fit, to equip, to put in order. We are to try to put them back in order. It is our job to try to put them back in order. When you get in that Greek word restore, you're supposed to take them back to the place they were. You are in charge. You have a duty to do that. And so he goes back. He's saying, we have a duty to do that, but gently. Now, what you mean? Why he got to put that in there? This is, why, this is why Paul says that. You had somebody tell you something, but they tell you in the wrong way. They, they tell you, you ain't going to get that done. That's not gentle. Why you ain't get that? You need to clean this house. That's not gentle. See, gentle is, hey, baby, come on, come on, come on now. Let's get this house clean. So that's gentle. Now, some of us, we've been gentle, right, Sister Deborah? Gentle than going out the door. Because we're like, I've been gentle with you about five times. I'm tired of gentle. But what God is asking us, we need to have the spirit of gentleness to restore that person back into the household of faith. We, we, we're, in plain words, we're supposed to put them back in order in a kind and loving way. Well, well what, how can I be out of step? First of all, I can be out of step. Simply, I ain't been to church in a hot minute. Hot minute, it been months. Hot minute, you might see me on the corner at the liquor store. 
And I ain't saying I'm at the liquor store. I'm saying I'm on the corner. You know what I'm saying? I got my bottle. My hand is open. I'm like, where everybody else? Ain't nothing looking different from the world in me. I might be out there doing a lot of other things. I might be on the internet doing a lot of other things. And if I know about it as a brother and sister, and this is what he says, those who are mature. He, he ain't talking, if you ain't mature, he said, this ain't your battle. Because we're still trying to grow you. But those who are pastors, you got that job. But those who have grown in the faith, you have this job. If you see somebody struggling, you have the job to go to them gently and say, brother, sister, you better than this. I know God loves you. Can I help you? Or you might even cut that, all that first part out. Can I help? What can I do? Too many of us have been to churches where you show up, they looking at you funny. Because they seen what you do. Well, why is she in here? We're too holy. And we're going to get to the too holy part in a second. But we, we've come to a part in some of our church that we have scared out the church. Amen? That some of us have come in and we know we are struggling. We know we got a past. We know we've been abused. We know we've been broken down. And we and nobody trying to restore us. Everybody trying to kick us out. And God is saying to the church, to us, that when you see a brother and sister, when you got somebody in your family, a friend, even a acquaintance, and they supposedly know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We have a duty, a job, a responsibility to restore them. Is that a choice? Like, I don't get like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I pray for them on the side. No. I'm supposed to go grab that hand. Come on, Esquire. I'm supposed to grab that hand. You ain't got to get up. And I'm supposed to come on and bring them back. You see how deep the duty is? I told you, it's not, God does not want drive-by Christianity. He wants intentional, deliberate relationships built with one another. But Paul did say, watch yourself. Because see, sometimes we know somebody's out there, and we kind of envy that. Man, now I, I, I want to kind of go to the, to the concert too. Now I want to kind of whoop, whoop. Well, yeah, we gonna, you know, I want to do it too. I want to go to the club at, you know, the after hour spot. Now, you know, you already told, Mama told you ain't nothing good after midnight. So, you know, the after hours by about 2 o'clock in the morning when it opened up. Woo, woo. And you're like, man, somebody got shot. Really? At the hours, I'm shocked at the after hours spot. Someone got shot or arrested. But that's what happens at the after hours spot. Some of y'all are like, I don't know what he's talking about. Some of y'all are like, yeah, Pastor, praise the Lord. I, I've been delivered. Amen. Amen. Come on, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Amen. So, so for us that have been there, we know. We know what God is saying. And this is why I want us to, before I even get to the next point, this is what we always have to watch. I'm talking to my brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to watch gossip. See, because when somebody's out there in the world, you know what we like to do sometimes? We like to huddle. You know how we huddle? Sister, did y'all see her? Oh, sister, mm-mm-mm, she out there. Now, we ain't hollering to pray about nobody. We ain't hollering about how we're going to get them back in church. We hollering just to talk about them. Sister, mm-hmm, I don't like how he do them things. So, and, and we, some of us have been hurt in certain churches because of the gossip. Well, you know she, her husband left her. You know she ain't got her kids. Mm, take it from there, baby. Take it from there. And, and, and we'll make uh, conclusions and assumptions about people and tear them down and understand gossip get back, don't it? Don't gossip get back? 
Because when God to get back, then you don't really want to act Christian with them in the church. You want either you want to leave or you want to get to yapping, right? Well, let me tell such a someone, you know, we get the arms and we get the hands going, and we like I, I tell her where I been and where my husband at. I tell you know, we get like that, don't we? What we don't do, what we don't do as brothers and sisters of Christ, and what we should do, we should never gossip in the first place. Gossip will destroy a church. Well, I'm proud about victory. Would I would I know of? Because if I find out about it, Pastor's going to stomp it out. Well, I know what we don't gossip in here. And I don't appreciate any gossip because I grew up at times in the church that like to gossip. And ain't trying to help people and encourage people and build people up. Victory ain't about that because Pastor ain't about that. And if I ever hear, I'm going to lay that out, we're going to go to the next point. If I ever hear, you understand, Pastor's going to address it. He's going to address it with the people gossiping. And he's going to restore you back. All right? Because this is the thing. Gossip... It's only a playground for the devil. Because you're not trying to help build or restore that person to Christ. All you're trying to do is, in a sense, make yourself feel better. Well, you know, you know they up there, uh, they lost their house, baby. <laughs> Does that make you feel better? See, so will never help the body of Christ. So then we get to the next thing. We get to the next thing, and, and, and what we see. Now, I want to stop right here. Some of y'all may not know about Charlie Brown. So if you don't know about Charlie Brown, you're going to even miss this. But if you know about Charlie Brown, you know about Lucy, you know about Linus, Linus the dude with the blanket. Lucy was the one that pulled the football and all that stuff. And Charlie Brown would be like that, hit his back. Well, the dude named Pigpen. Now, when Pigpen was ever on a cartoon, when he was walking, it was nothing but dust and stuff around him. And Pigpen, he'll be just walking up on you. Like, everybody was like, okay, bro, okay, bro. And he's just walking like he don't see no dust and no dust. Or no stink on him. Some of us have come to a point where we just like, if you can smell yourself, others have been able to do it for a while. It, 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 we come to a point, and let, let me read that scripture. We come to a point where we get here. It says, bear one another's burdens, therefore, thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone think he is something, when he is nothing, he feels so. Let me stop. If, if anyone think he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. See, this is God talking. Go to the next. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have some reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to, one, to another. For each one will bear his own load. The, the next point, my stuff stink too. See, we had to get to a point where we got to realize, and, and, and I don't want us to get to a point, your stuff stink too. You a little pig pen too. Some of us got bigger dust clouds than others. Now, but this is the thing. We were saved by grace. See, because if I understand, if I come to you humbly, that God has made this mess into a miracle, and I just want you to understand and experience the miracle working of Christ Jesus in your own life, then I won't come to you right. But if I come to you like, well, you need to get yourself together because I'm already together. See, too many of us sometimes are holy rollers. When I, when I was first dating my wife, I knew she went to Dallas Theological Seminary and she was uh, a, a good Christian woman. So my first date, I put on all this gospel music and stuff. Not that I don't listen to gospel music, but I listen to more sports radio. 
But I want to impress a girl, and I, you know, and, and, and I know, and in my head, I was like, she a holy roller. So a holy roller, I'm pulling from Kurt Franklin. Because at the time, that was my little intro for gospel. Now, I got, got a little better, some Marvin Sapp now and all that stuff. But at the time, most of us, like we know, we all know some stomp. I don't care how thug you are, you know some stomp. Uh, I don't care, you the drug dealer, you Nino Brown, you know some Kurt Franklin. Now, you might not know who Yolanda Adams and all folks, but somebody knows some Kurt Franklin. That's the, that's the one person that you're going to know. And so when you know him, when you know him, so I'm putting on a Kirk, and I, I, I think I had the, the new little CD at the time, and I'm like, yeah, you know, we're just holding rolling in around. And, and, and what I was doing, I was putting on airs. Because, see, I didn't want her to know my stuff stank. See, because I didn't want her, uh, 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 is, has anybody been on the first day like that? You don't want to show the real on the first day. You don't want to show them what they're really trying to buy. You know, you try to kind of like, oh, yeah, it's, all, it's, it's a good-looking house. It, you know, it, it's everything working right. You don't want to show them what, the, the plumbing looking bad. You don't want to show them that the house might fall in. So you show them the good part of the house. Now what I did, I cleaned up my truck. I put on Kurt. I'm like, yes. You know, let's, let's get on. <laughs> All that stuff. You know, after a while, like, I'm putting my sports radio. I can't, I mean, I love Craig Depp, but I got to listen to me some football or something. That, that's me. So, so what am I trying to say? Too many times we put on that holy rolling mentality. I ain't got nothing wrong. I'm good. Sometimes when we going around our Bible say, you ain't prayers. No, I'm good. You good? I'm good. Well, I don't know about you, but even when I said I had a good week, and I did, Janelle said, well, I had so-so week. She kept me the real. Because, see, because I, I had a good week because I kept getting reassured by somebody by my relationship in Christ. I got over and over. I mean, it was like every day. It was this nonstop, constant pushing of God has his hands on you to stay focused. But what I do know, there was... The, we have some so-so weeks. Some of us have bad weeks, amen? That, but we have been taught in the church, don't share your problems. Clean up your car, clean, wear your, your good suit to the, shirt, the church, and act like nothing wrong. God says, God repeatedly in his Bible is saying, I know you got some jacked up stuff going on. And you need to go to your brothers and sisters in Christ and say, I need help. And you don't want to go to people to, for help if they look like they better or are going to act like they better than you. See, we as a church can't be no better than you kind of people. We can't be no better than you kind of church. We got to get down in the deep. We got to dig deep. See, because when we do that, I'm better than you mentality. When we get, well, you know, I went to here and I know this person. I, and I, you know, I'm, I, I've been here and I read my Bible every day this week. And, you know, me and the Lord have been close together. You know, when we do all that, do you think people like to talk to you? They ain't going to really want to share their problems because they say, you too high up there. Now understand, your growth is great, but you got to remember your past. Paul always talked about his past. It's all right to share your testimony because somebody is in that same struggle right now. Somebody right now is in a struggle with, with addiction and whatever addiction that could be. Somebody might be in addiction of pornography. Somebody might be in addiction of drugs. You got to share that testimony. I overcame not because of myself, because my God brought me through the storm. But that's why you got to say my stuff don't stink. We can't act like we somebody because my name is Mark Morrell. I'm somebody because my God and my Jesus Christ made it so.
because I was lost a sea and I was out there sinking in sin. But somebody pulled me out and it was Jesus Christ. But if I didn't have some humble parents and some humble other people to say, God's done this in my life, I may not know Christ today. You see how that humbleness can help attract people to Christ Jesus? So we can't be holy rollers. We cannot be holy rollers. So then we get into our next one. Now, when I was growing up, was, and we still have, we got some land in Hawkins, Texas. Somebody, anybody know about Hawkins or Jarvis College out there in East Texas? Somebody know about the country? Anybody, who, who has never been to the country? You ain't never seen no farmland. That's good. See, that's Texans. Good. So everybody's seen some farmland. And this is the thing. When, when I was about 12 or 13, my dad took me out there. And he said, we're going to get on the tractor. I said, okay, we're going to get on the tractor. He said, you're going to drive the tractor. I said, we're going to drive it. Who going to what? Who going to drive the tractor? You're going to drive the tractor. And we're going to plant some peas. We're gonna, who going to drive the tractor again? You're going to drive the tractor. And what he allowed me to do was plant black-eyed peas. Come out there, some, and we're just little, little black-eyed peas, little seeds. Came back out there a couple months later. So all these black-eyed peas, whatever, growing, all these plants. What I want us to understand as we get into the scripture, it says this. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Oh, listen. God is not mocked. We're going to get there. For whatever a man sows, this he also reap. Come on. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Now when we get here, how are you planting or how have you planted right see this is the thing one seed can give you a harvest of many plants give you a harvest of many trees give you a harvest of one tree and many fruit what am I trying to tell you what you're planting today is gonna to give you a mighty harvest way if you planted some hot mess it gonna be a lot of hot mess waiting for you if you planting some things for the Lord Jesus Christ it's gonna be a lot of blessings and things are waiting for you because you plant that one seed God is saying from those one seeds that you're planting many things are going to come out of that what are you planting today for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are mature are you planting holy rollerism? Where you just, you all high and lifted up? And that's what you're planting? I'm going to tell you, if you're trying to plant that in this church, you're going to help doom and destroy this church. Churches that are not growing normally have members that don't want to share the, uh, uh, the message of Christ. They don't want to share anything. They just want to be a fortress within their own church. And they want to block out everybody else. But God is asking us, will you step out? And will you step out and tell them about the good news? Will you tell people good news and bad news situations? Will you tell them that? Or will you just keep it to yourself? And God is then asking, what are you planting for me? What have you planted for God today? What did you plant yesterday? So we, we always planting something. You know that? We always are planting something. Some of us are in the midst of our struggle. That's cool. Because it's my job and the rest of the body of Christ to help you come out of that struggle. What are you planting in your house? Where are you planting with your children? Do they always see in you and your husband or whomever fight? Do they always see when you're talking with them, is that an anger? Won't y'all be quiet? I'm trying to watch young arrestors. Is it that? 
Yeah, keep it real. Oh, uh, is it? Is it? They always feel like I'm bothering mommy. What are you planting? Because look back at what was planted in you. Because if you look what was planted in you, some of the things that we said we would not do, we are doing. Because it was planted in us. What are you planting in Christ Jesus today? And so, when you get to that planting, Paul says, we got to stop kidding ourselves. We got to stop playing the game of church. We have played church so much. We dressed up. We did the Easter plays. We did all that. But when, at the end of the day, some of, some of us have played church so much, we go to church where all the sermon is, Lord, help us, help us. And you ain't got nothing else out of that sermon. You, you're hopping, and we're bouncing our shoulders, and we we putting one good leg up. But what did you get out of it for real? What truly do you have to walk away with except some good, well, because I can hum it all day. I can hum. I can hum with the best of them. I can do that. But what are you getting out of this truly? Because, see, that's, that's my main point. That's my main contention. I want you to grow spiritually. I want the chains that are trying to hold you down to be broken off you, not by me, but by Christ Jesus. And so we got to stop playing this game. Some of us are playing the game so much, we don't know what the truth is. And I'm telling you, there is some truth that God is trying to tell you right now, right here. He wants you to restore yourself to him. He wants you to rededicate your life to him. He wants you to leave those old ways, and he wants you to embrace him. He wants you to turn from your wicked ways and come to him. God's calling you. God's calling you. Some of, some of us say, well, my mama and dad were like that. I can't be any better than this. Or I was born this way. I'm telling you, I got a guy that says I can make the crooked road straight. I can make the impossible possible. He took a virgin girl and said, you're going to have my son and still be a virgin. He took a slave people out of a mighty empire and said, you're going to walk on dry land on that sea. He a boy and say you're going to slay giant. He did that. So what could God do in you? And I'm not trying to blow no smoke up your behind. What can God do in you? What can he free you from? What addictions do you have? You may smoke. What can God take that cigarette from? And I'm telling you, you're not going to struggle. Because God says, you know what? I can bless you during the struggle. Because I just blessed you in the good times, you wouldn't even know me. Because when we got money, some of us don't ever show up to church. Some of us only show up to church when the bank account is looking like it's zero. And then we want to get our prayer on. God is saying, I will bless you then, but I will bless you in the midnight storm. I will be here. And so, God is asking us to stop kidding ourselves. So, my last point, as we conclude... God does not want us to give up. When you look at that last scripture, verse 9 and 10, it says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in, good, in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially to those who are the household of faith. Don't you give up. I want you to understand, I don't want anybody to give up because we had a Jesus Christ didn't give up on us. We had Jesus Christ that was born in the hood, that was born of poor parents. He did not give up. He, we have a Jesus Christ 
went and ministered and lived on this earth for 33 years, had a ministry for three years, he did not give up. He had a ministry for three years, took some fishermen and all kind of folks who all kind of different shades or whatever. He said, I don't give up. He took some folks that were going to deny him, betray him. He did not give up. And we have a Jesus that was persecuted, that was spit on, that was beat up, that did not have a home for himself. He did not give up. We have a Jesus that said, I weep. He weeped for us. He did not give up. I have a Jesus that knew what he was going to go to see the cross. He knew it. He even said, Lord, if it's your will, you can take it. But if it's not, I will get on that cross for these people. He did not give up. He loved us even though we spit on he loved us even though we beat him. He loved us even though we mocked him. He loved us. He said, I don't give up. We have a Lord, Jesus Christ, even when he was on the cross, said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. He did not give up. I have a Lord that got in the tomb. He was buried. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He was so broke, they didn't have a tomb for him. He was so poor, they didn't have nothing for him. He had a borrowed tomb. And in that borrowed tomb, he was put there. He didn't give up on us. He got up on that third day. He did not give up on us. And he got up with all power. He did not give up on us. Then he stayed another 40 days on this earth. Want you to understand, I'm here and I'm real. I'm here and I'm right here. He did not give up on us. Then he went to his father's house and said, I prepare a place for you for you. He did not give up on us. God said, I saved you when you were yet sinners. He did not give up on us. When you were walking them streets, he did not give up on you. When you were out there hustling and hustling whomever you were hustling, he did not give up on you. When you were in whoever bed last night and the night before, he did not give up on you. When you've been shacking since you've been shacking and your mama shack, he did not give up on you. When children don't know who to call on. He does not give up on you. You have been broke, been broke, and been broke, and you don't know where you're going to be. He does not give up on you. When you have a God that says, I'm calling you out of your mess, I'm calling you out of your darkness, and I want you to see the truth. My son, Jesus Christ, I don't give up on you. When you've been cussing everybody out, I don't give up on you. When you can't find a job, I don't give up on you. When your children don't want to act right and they acting a fool, I don't want to give up on you. When you have a God that says, I know you ain't been in church in a hot minute, but it's all right, because I don't give up on you. When you don't know how to raise your children, you don't know how to do this thing we call life. He says, I don't give up on you. When you are struggling and you're confused, God says, I don't give up on you. I have a God that don't give up on you, so why would you give up on this God? Can somebody tell me? Can somebody this morning say, I don't want to give up this morning. I don't want to give up this morning. I don't want to give up this morning. Because I have a Lord that took Adam and Eve and said, you messed up. I don't give up on you. I have a God that said, Noah, I'm going to put you in an ark. I don't give up on you. I have a God that took a slave people about Egypt. They were slave people. And I said, I don't give up on them. I'm going to take them across dry land. I got that type of God. I don't give up. So I'm asking you this morning. I'm asking you this morning. Don't give up. Jesus is right here. 
He's right here. He's ready for you to, to, to dedicate your life to him. If you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, he's ready to take you. He's ready to accept you. He's been there the whole time. He's been the whole time there. And, and uh, Cyrus, come here for a second. Come here, Cyrus. Because I want you to understand. I want you to understand something. Many times, come on, Cyrus, hurry up now. You're too young to walk too slow. Pick me up. Pick me up, Cyrus. Pick me up, Cyrus. Pick me up now. Hold me. Uh, give me somebody else. But, but Bilal, come here, Bilal. Come Bilal. Hurry, Bilal, hurry. Come on, show this. Bilal, pick me up. Pick me up. Come on, try. <laughs> you can't, he can't pick me up, right? Many of us look at our problems in Christ like that. Now look at this. This is how our problems really look. Come on, boy. 